0: Good morning, everybody. This is Squawk and here are your headlines. A whipsaw session as U.S. stocks swing from a 900-point rally to the brink of bear market and back again, while Asian equities and U.S. futures take a leg down amid unanswered questions over U.S. stimulus.
2: EU leaders pledge decisive action to tackle coronavirus, announcing fresh investment and measures to prop up small business. Commission President Ursula von der Leyen says they will do whatever is needed. First and foremost, we must act at the macroeconomic level. And to be very
3: clear from my part too, we will use all the tools at our disposal to make sure that the European economy weathers this storm.
4: Well, here in Westminster, brand new Chancellor of the Exchequer Rishi Sunak prepares to unveil Britain's most expansive budget since the financial crisis, including, of course, measures to tackle coronavirus. This, as a junior health minister, is confirmed to have COVID-19. And making gains in Michigan, Democratic
0: presidential candidate Joe Biden wins the pivotal state alongside Missouri, Mississippi, and Idaho as he pulls ahead in the race.
5: All those who have been knocked down, all those who have been counted out, left behind, this is your campaign. Just over a week ago, many of the pundits declared that uh, this candidacy was dead. Now we're very much alive.
2: Volatility continues. In the space of just one session, the Dow posted a fresh 52 week low and its third biggest one day point gain ever. And you can see the lows coming just before lunchtime, which uh, set the scene for uh, question marks as to whether investors were going to get a foothold on these markets in session yesterday. A little bit more choppy trade throughout uh, the uh, midday session, and then investors uh, getting back into the trade in the afternoon session. So as a result, we closed up shop with uh, decent numbers. If you look at the percentage gains, for those U.S. markets. I'll take you over here and you can see uh, gains for the Dow as we closed up shop more than 1,100 points or 4.9%, similar size percentage gains right across the major markets. And if you look at what we've now got after uh, this session, this market still below its 200-day moving average for the 11th straight session. Instrumental, I think, to to see that uh, despite having a little bit of a rally back on the charts, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ all still in correction market territory. You may know that investors have been just picking up areas of the market they they see maybe have become slightly cheaper to buy into for long-term investing or just potentially covering some of those positions again and technology has been one of the beneficiaries i'll show you some of the fangs apple was one of the big stocks moving for the dow the s&p and nasdaq in session and you can see that stock bouncing 7.2 percent strong trade there across the board though uh, not too far behind as some of the other big stocks try to keep pace like some microsoft for instance 6.8 percent Netflix having a decent day. This is one stock we've been talking about uh, when there's been so much self-isolation happening in areas where there have been an outbreak or has been outbreak of coronavirus. Streaming servers in some ways coming into their own. Not to mention, of course, some of the other online services: Facebook, Amazon, Alphabet, the owner of Google. 5.3% higher for that stock. Want to take you to Asia today. There's been some disappointment that we didn't get any broad-based measures on stimulus. So much talk from the White House that they were coming, and investors are still waiting to see what specific action that will be. Debates over payroll tax cuts, for instance. So these Asian markets just pulling back, which tells you how fragile investor appetite is at this point. The Australian market, which had rallied a day early, now giving back 3.6%. Chinese markets uh, modestly weaker. We are seeing slightly less volatility, I would call it, in this market at this point, as other countries deal with coronavirus and China itself tries to get back on its feet. The flows elsewhere, South Korea weaker, holding on to 1,900 at this stage, but still down 3% and 22 off the Japanese stock market. In terms of the opening calls here in Europe, we had a bit of a rocky day yesterday as well. Early gains moving on to the boards, only to fail by the close. We are down 1.1% on the stock share of 600. The FTSE, which uh, had some decent gains intraday, up about 3% at one point here in the UK, actually closed weaker, uh, down a fraction, only a tenth of a percent, but the fourth negative session in a row, and you can see this morning we're now setting up even more losses. So what recovery trade here uh, across on European markets, Jeff, might be the question. for some No, investors. that's
0: amazing because uh, I remember watching Matt about an hour ago talking about these markets and the futures were actually looking positive at that point. So clearly sentiment does seem to be worsening as we uh, are still some hours away from the European market open. US President Trump was expected to announce a major economic stimulus package to help those impacted from coronavirus. That didn't happen, President Trump. Trump. Trump promising on Monday that he would unveil details of a fiscal plan at a White House press conference on Tuesday afternoon, uh, but didn't make an appearance. His top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, offered few details, just saying, uh, let's flesh that out and we'll have better answers. This all comes after the president pitched a 0% payroll tax rate for employers and employees through the rest of the year. That according to a White House official. U.S. futures pointing lower amid unanswered questions about U.S. stimulus plans. Uh, Pleasure to have Biet Vittman with us, chairman and partner at Porter Advisors from the off this morning. Biat, I put out a tweet, I don't know, about 30 minutes ago, and it it just seems extraordinary to me. There's a pattern emerging. We had Fed stimulus, shock and awe, 50 basis points, and the market sold off. The president has successively promised fiscal stimulus, and the markets had a big wobble yesterday. And then we had real whipsaw trade. Why are the markets... And we talk about equity markets here, but bond markets have also been been reacting. Why are they not more optimistic about both the fiscal and the monetary stimulus that's being thrown into the pot now?
6: well a downturn a recession gets typically triggered by disruption in the oil market or uh, a credit crunch or an overheating economy when the central banks tighten the screws so here we have a uh, we have really an exogenous event with this virus and then we had a double down in the energy market um, uh, on Monday so uh, the big problem is is the credit market which is structurally illiquid and you know if it drags on which can be expected the next few weeks, then you'll have big casualties in in credit markets, in in the real economy, in the real recession. So that problem cannot be fixed by simply another interest rate cut. You need a comprehensive action plan. I think the governments individually, and certainly as a group, speak the G20, are way behind the curve. Um, So the market is simply not buying an interest rate cut, especially not from these old already ultra low levels and you know fiscal policy measures you cannot shoot from the hip in a press conference that's really a complex thing with structural and cyclical aspects it will come no doubt but we are still not there and therefore the markets are not buying it
0: Uh, Since the financial crisis, uh, you've been on this programme basically saying whenever uh, prices come down, you should be topping up on risk. The cycle will run and at this point, no real recession fears because we've always had a reaction to that when we've had rough periods since the financial crisis. So we've had effectively 11 years of a bull market with some wobbly Mm. bits in between. But you've always said, just buy equities, it will be okay. This morning, I find you saying, This is not a time to be brave, this is not a time to buy equities. What has changed?
6: Well, we have a recession. This very, very high likelihood uh, will not last long, but it will be painful because never ever before so much leverage has been built up and uh, the leverage went up and the credit quality went down um, and, and that's now the reality. And you had to be out of credits already for a while and equities have always the advantage that they are liquid at least, but credits are structurally illiquid. So we will have a negative cascading effect in the real economy right now, the next few months, and of course, in the credit markets. I would not become bullish on risk assets uh, before this high-yield debt market is not cleaned out, and we have not even started here.
2: Biet, uh, let me ask you about some of the stimulus packages, though, because clearly the, the White House is coming up with some form of an initiative. Just what it is uh, is not clear at this stage. We've also got scheduled meetings for the Europeans. That's been put back into the diary. We've got the ECB on Thursday, the Fed next week. We've got a UK budget this t- today. I mean, there's there's so much in the diary. What Can any of us give you a sense that maybe there will be some form of coordinated action, even though you feel like the G20 has been behind the curve?
6: Well, the G20 right now is uh, on a rotating basis chaired by uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, which is also per se interesting right now, given the developments in the oil markets. Um, I don't see the G20 really acting um, at any time soon. I speak here days and weeks. uh, the market riot and the recession risk have to increase uh, significantly before this happens. I've no doubt that policymakers will intervene in a comprehensive, well coordinated way, but you know the world is certainly less coordinated than uh, in the 2008 crisis.
2: Just talk us through a high yield shakedown if you believe there is one coming. And we, we got the sense, of course, that there's a number of energy stocks in that world, but then there was a clear up because we saw problems in the Shell industry in recent years so what are the components that you would expect to be impacted if there is a problem in the high yield market
6: well, there is a mechanism at work, of course. Um, uh, half of the uh, investment-grade corporate debt market is already on the verge of junk. It's a so, if, angels exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, it just means that if you have just another few weeks of um, of virus-related um, shutdown of economies, which which can be expected, um, you will have. Um, quite a few companies falling down into junk um, and defaulting. So have to watch the credit spreads and the default rates. And then many institutional investors are simply forced by their mandates to sell and this into an empty market where market makers are not around and where investors are not around. Um, and that will have a nasty effect on the overall market and clean out that market. But that will be painful. That has not happened happened yet. We need just another few weeks that this is going to start and then you have these fallen angels and then you have many industries which have structural overcapacities, look like European banks and they didn't do their homework the last 10 years and they will pay a high price for that and that will happen.
0: We'll come back to you, we'll pick up on some of those themes in just a moment. Uh, Let's talk about the politics. Joe Biden is now the favourite to win the Democratic presidential nomination after victories in four states. The former vice president won in delegate-rich Michigan, along with Missouri, Mississippi and Idaho, according to NBC News projections. It'll now be much harder for Bernie Sanders, who had been leading Democratic polls until the South Carolina primary two weeks ago. Results are still to come in two more states. Biden and Sanders both cancelled rallies in Cleveland amid concerns the gatherings could spread coronavirus. In a post-election speech, Biden reached out to Sanders and his supporters, telling them they share a common goal in beating Donald Trump.
5: As I said from the beginning, this election is one that has character on the ballot. The character of the candidates, the character of the nation is on the ballot. It's more than a comeback, in my view, our campaign. It's a comeback for the soul of this nation. This campaign is taking off and I believe we're going to do well from this point on. Take nothing for granted. Want to earn every single vote in every single state.
0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Sportbox. Let's get into the headlines. A whipsaw session as U.S. stocks swing from a 900-point rally to the brink of bear market and back again. Asian equities take a leg down amid unanswered questions over U.S. stimulus.
2: U.S. futures also trade lower after President Trump pitches a 0% payroll tax rate. But his team won't say how it would pay for the measure and fails to provide details on a promised fiscal package.
4: Well, here in Westminster, the new Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, is preparing to unveil Britain's most expansive budget since the financial crisis, including measures to tackle the coronavirus. This as the junior health minister is confirmed to have COVID-19. Adidas warns of
0: a $1 billion drop in sales in Greater China, it says. While business is picking up there now, the spread of the virus elsewhere in Asia may delay its recovery. We will speak with Adidas' CEO, Kasper Rorstedt. That interview will be a first on CNBC at 8.30 CET.
2: A three-day losing streak on the Dow, but it wasn't a smooth ride as that volatility continues. In the space of just one session yesterday, the Dow posted a fresh 52-week low. That coming in the morning session as we gave up some of the early gains. And then its third biggest one-day point gain ever as we rallied into the finish. So a bit of a wild session for investors, not for the faint-hearted, you have to say. If you take a look at what we're seeing across on the finish for the U.S. markets, you can see the extent of the rally for the S&P and Nasdaq, their best day since December. 2018 and of course uh, that was a really volatile window that we experienced back then but these markets despite the gains of near on five percent still in correction territory what well, we've got uh, some of the big movers uh, apple one of the stocks that really drove these markets but also technology more broadly but if you look down in the sectors nine out of 11 sectors are still in correction territory or worse so down more than 10 percent from their 52 week highs which tells you how broad based some of those movements have been when it comes to oil and And clearly that was the other catalyst for the big moves we saw in markets this week. WTI and Brent both saw their best days since September 2019. WTI gained about 10%. So not recovering all of those dramatic swings that we saw in the early part of the session. Uh, Jeff, uh, let me toss it over to you. I believe you're looking at something.
0: And for the second hour of the programme here. Um, we have some news coming from the Bank of England. So we have a bit more, uh, well, shock and all. Bank of England cuts the main interest rate to 0.25% from 0.75%. So the bank has effectively mirrored the move that we saw from the US Fed with a 50 basis point move. The uh, speculation had been that the upcoming Bank of England meeting Meeting would deliver a 25 basis point cut so the bank has gone further than that with this move they say they will maintain their current UK gilt purchase target at 435 billion sterling the Bank of England maintains the corporate bond purchase target uh, at 10 billion sterling we have um, term lending available at or close to the bank rate. The bank is providing a slew of details about assistance that it will provide across the lending network to make sure that these policy measures tackle the impact of coronavirus. The bank says it will introduce a new term funding scheme for small businesses and they will offer four-year funding over the next 12 months. Clearly there is a slew of new policies which have been crafted to, to effectively target who you were talking about, be it those small businesses that will be suffering from some credit impairment.
2: So, 26th of March, we're expecting the next meeting MPC. so we've got effectively uh, an emergency outcome today, very much like the Fed. I think it's extraordinary if you take a look at the pound moves too. We were seeing appetite for the pound this week, and we were perched about just over the 129 handle. We've dropped a little bit, and you can see it on your screens. But that said, uh, we're also trying to stage a little bit of recovery. Maybe the the question comes into the mix: What happens next if the Bank of England, which has been so stubborn to move in many ways, even around Brexit and some of the weakness they're seeing before them, have now decided to, to pull the trigger on the back of coronavirus, and on a day when, of course, we've got the budget coming up?
0: Well, so. I mean, look, this is this is a no-brainer now. Andrew Bailey wasn't scheduled to take up his post until next Monday at the Bank of Bank of England from Mark Carney, but clearly the machinery has stepped up and stepped into action and very clearly we're going to see coordination here across both government and the central bank, Steve, it seems to me. That really whets the appetite for what we'll have out of this budget.
4: Yeah, absolutely extraordinary times and extraordinary events. And I'm, I'm actually very, very glad we've got our next guest with us as well because Simon Wells is the chief European economist at HSPC, but, but, I hasten to add, spent, what, 12 years at the Bank of England? I did. And one of your key roles at the Bank of England was briefing the MPC, wasn't it? I understand as well. So, Simon, we are delighted to have you at this key moment as well. What was the MPC thinking? Do you think they've done the right thing? Well, it is extraordinary. I mean, we haven't had
1: intermittent rate cuts since October 2008. I think what's extraordinary is... In the past, the Bank of England would say, here's a supply shock. This is temporary. What can we do? We haven't got much we can do, so let's wait, let's assess. They've clearly decided in the latest market moves, concerned about liquidity crunches, concerned about what the market moves might do to sentiment. So they've acted. They've acted big. Is it the right thing to do? Well, perhaps, in terms of shoring up confidence. We expected them to.
4: Look, if things go better than expected, a thing. if the coronavirus does, hopefully, from a societal point of view, from an economic point of view, go away quickly in the spring, I mean, that's great news. They can take this away again quickly. So they've done the right thing, have they, by taking this action? Or does it look a bit panicky in your view? I think the latest theory on monetary policy is if you've not got very
1: much, you know, throw everything at once. Now, obviously, they haven't gone quite everything, but 50 will exceed the market expectation. We were expected to move in March. But, hey, they've gone earlier. Yeah, I think they probably have gone done the right thing. You need to sort of put a floor under things. You need to instill a bit of confidence.
4: I mean, Mark Carney, of course, um, dare I say, gave mixed messages to the the market during his term as well. Is this a firm statement from the new Governor, Mr Bailey, uh, at the Bank of England that he's going to stand for a different kind of monetary policy? The thing about Andrew is he's worked across you
1: all know areas. know as well. Yeah, no, right? I know. I knew him. It, he's he worked all areas across the Bank. So he's a real central banker. Yeah. He will be worried about the risk of putting loads of stuff on the balance sheet. But he's also, he had a, you know, he had a great crisis, they say. He also understands the importance of acting decisively and with clarity. So yes, we will see. I haven't seen any statement, but we will see.
4: Now, this is fascinating because we can go back to the financial crisis and one of the great criticisms about the tripartite system, and you would have taken a few of those on the chin, I'm sure as well, that there were cracks between the Treasury, between the FCA, uh, and indeed the Bank of England as well. This time round, and I think it's fair to say we're in a form of crisis, a different form of crisis as well, can those cracks reappear or actually uh, has action been taken between those three key bodies to keep banks uh, A, the clarity of their financial situation uh, abundantly clear to all those authorities and be to prevent crises? One well, area you won't see cracks,
1: because regulation has now been brought back to the Bank of England. So one other tool they might use is the so-called counter-cyclical capital buffer. That might help banks to lend uh, through this, this crisis as you, as you call it. Uh, where there might still be cracks, if people think that the Bank of England's independence is threatened, that could still be a crack if they're just doing the uh, Treasury's dirty work. But I mean, by all accounts, we can expect to see quite a lot of uh, stimulus from Mr Sunak today. I don't think that's a problem
4: now, but I have to say the bank has to be very clear it is doing this on its mandate. Simon, we'll come to the Chancellor in a few moments' time as well, but what about the bang for the buck that the economy gets from a rate move in either direction, a rate cut? Now, almost immediately, I'm presuming the big banks have been told and will immediately pass on that 50 basis points in mortgage. That is a very real uh, return for households who are worried about their finances amid this. What else can this do, especially for businesses? Well, first thing on households, most people are on fixed rates these Days. That's right. very different to crisis,
1: so in that sense, it's not so huge. not the same kind of um, for the bank. And, and, and if you're told to stay indoors, uh, 50 basis points and what it does for your cash flow isn't going to get I'm, you I'm, to the I'm shop. I'm
4: told that people are still buying certain groceries, certain groceries related to their bathroom habits. Okay, so now with, with uh,
1: the additional mortgage repayments, you can buy a little more toilet paper if you can find <laughs> yes. it. But your question uh, was about business. I think yeah. what it does in the first instance, it provides reassurance that the Monetary Authority is doing what it can. If the Bank of England was to take that, Economic ivory tower and
4: say, look, there's nothing we can do about this. Yes. We can't help. I think that so would it's about not be good. Seeing to being seen to do something uh, rather than just doing. Now we all know that m- the medium-sized business engine is so important for all economies, especially the United Kingdom. I- in this context as well, we know that their interest rates, their charge is significantly higher than base rates, significantly higher than the mortgage rates we've just referred to, significantly higher than the rates that the biggest financial companies can get or biggest companies can get. Full stop. Will they see immediate relief? In terms of their loan rates from the British Bank, or will the banks see the opportunity to fatten their nims? That, that's impossible for
1: me to uh, uh, answer, I and mean, yeah. only to say that it would be extremely unpopular, and you might expect some kind of social media storm were yes. the banks to be seen to be profiteering be a from it. Them, it? So, uh, one, one can only assume that government, the public, everyone uh, expects okay. this to be
4: passed on. Now, you referred to the Chancellor. We have to be very quick these days in working out who the Chancellor of the Exchequer is in the UK. He's been in the role less than a month. Rishi a Yorkshire MP, Richmond, Yorkshire as well. He's seen as a rising star. I listened to George Osborne on Radio 4 this morning saying how good he is, and, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure that someone else, Sajid Javid said, the force is with him. So they know that Rishi Sunak is talented. Well, we're going to test his mettle today. What can he come up with for the short term and indeed the long term? Our baptism of fire is, yeah. the, is the starting point.
1: I think, first of all, uh, naturally, he's a fiscal conservative. You know, normally in the normal times, yes, the government has commitments to level up on infrastructure spending when in normal times, I think we would expect him to be uh, cautious. These are not normal times. No government is going to be thanked for reining in spending on health. So I think they've already allocated a lot of spending towards in- investment. That's very difficult to ramp up in the near term. So a lot of this can be rediverted into NHS in the, in the short term. Uh, we've also seen in last September spending, re- quite, re- spending review quite a lot of money already diverted to the NHS. Though so there's going to be you know, near enough a blank cheque in the near term. Um, but I think further ahead they will still try to
4: focus on the levelling up, focus on, on the north and so on. Yeah. Just a very quick one. My colleague Jeff Cutmore said that he undoubtedly this is the start of a coordinated action as well. Do you think the ECB and others are going to move? Uh, certainly. I think the ECB is going to cut uh, tomorrow. And I expect it
1: fully to either announce uh, or... At set out an aspiration for the type of term funding schemes we were talking about. Getting money to the SMEs, which in the Eurozone is the
4: absolute backbone of the economy. Simon, we got lucky today having an ex-MPC advisor on the show. I, I make no bones about it. We didn't plan this with a rate cut, but thank you very much indeed for being the man of the moment. Uh, Simon Wells, who's the Chief European Economist over at HSBC. 12 years advising the MPC amongst other jobs as well. So we went there. We went there on interest rates. We've gone there on a Chancellor. He even went there on toilet rolls as well. There's even more toilet rolls you hoarders can buy out there now you've got your cheaper interest rates. Back to you Geoffrey. Steve, terrific. Funniest uh, comment I've seen so
0: far this morning on Twitter in response to this Don't panic Captain Mannering. don't panic. I think uh, we both know where that comes from. Uh, we'll catch up with you a little bit later Steve, thanks very much indeed for that for the time being and we'll get some reaction from you Bea on what is going on with regard to the UK and whether, you know what, let's do it now. <laughs> what do you think the Bank of England here is going to to look uh, as though it is in panic mode. I mean, this is the interesting thing. We started off the program this morning talking about how the Fed move caused markets to sell off, how Trump's announcement of stimulus, uh, whether it comes or not, has confused markets, and then we got some selling. 50 basis points from the Bank of England and a slew of measures aimed to ease credit conditions for SMEs. Will the market react positively or will it fear that the Bank of England knows a lot more about the underlying weakness of the UK economy and will sell down the footsie on the back of it?
6: No, I think it's positive. Um, you have to instill uh, confidence. Confidence is needed and liquidity is needed. Um, and central banks are well-functioning machines, um, uh, so that that's positive. But that cannot just um, solve the problem here. Um, we need comprehensive fiscal policy and international coordination, but on a domestic level you need to support the SME sector because there's really a credit crunch going on and a liquidity crunch. Central bank can take care of liquidity and make sure that there is a transmission uh, mechanism functioning via the banking system, you know, to reach businesses and 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 consumers. That's really key. Uh, so it's the right measure, and in that sense, it's positive. But, you know, it's a necessary condition, but not a sufficient condition.
2: We've got a comment from Paul Donovan from UBS and tweeting us directly. <clears throat> the grandiose uh, gesture from the BOE with the important targeted stimulus in the detail. This is the sort of economic leadership that mitigates the downside with the virus. So that from uh, a top economist that I think uh, yeah, many Paul was in yesterday, wasn't
0: he? And it just mm-hmm. sort of reiterates the point that you're making here that this is a time to stand up and be counted if you operate in that universe where you can provide additional conditions to ease credit conditions. Um, I I guess uh, the challenge is that we are already at very low interest rates. And it does beg the question, what difference will it make to actually cut 50 basis points when anybody, I think if Steve was sat here and not down in Westminster, he'd be banging the table and saying, anybody who wants money can get money at current interest rates. Why does it matter if we've just reduced the price by 50 basis points?
2: Uh, animal spirits, doesn't that make a little bit of a difference? You've got a lot of people are concerned about coronavirus and potentially self-isolating the impact on paying back mortgages, uh, consumption that might be impacted. They're already spent up on their credit cards, so they're looking at paying that off, and they're probably assuming that there'll be a certain amount of work or income coming in in coming months. Uh, Surely some of these measures make a little bit of difference at the sides to animal spirits. Mm.
0: But I think the point Beat was making earlier, sorry to jump in, is that uh, we already have bloated balance sheets, and people have gorged, companies have gorged on the cheap money that we've had since the financial crisis 11 years ago. Are there still people out there with balance sheets that haven't been busted who can afford to go out and load up a little further?
6: (laughs) Very few. Uh, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of leverage there which has to be uh, unwound and it, it will happen because you just need an additional few weeks of economic pressure and that's very very likely that you will have this capacity really busted and reduced and it will happen it's
2: not about new demand now for credit is it's about refinancing so if you have existing products you can go back to the bank and say i want a lower rate and that makes a difference so we've got to squeeze in a quick break but coming up on the show a policy decision looms for the ecb as the central bank aims to soften the blow from coronavirus we're going to cross live to frankfurt after these extraordinary moves from the bank of england
6: The data in this
4: podcast is brought to you by Refinitiv, our global data and analytics partner for Squawk Box podcast, A Road to Davos. Refinitiv is an open data ecosystem powering the financial markets through an open platform, advanced technologies, and deep domain expertise. Learn more at refinitiv.com forward slash Davos.
0: Welcome back to Box, everybody. Uh, Within the last 10 minutes or so the Bank of England has stepped into the market with a major announcement on providing easier credit conditions for the UK economy. We've had a 50 basis point cut in the key benchmark rate. The market was anticipating 25 at the upcoming Bank of England meeting but clearly the bank has stepped out of its regular cycle and delivered a 50 basis point cut. There's a whole slew of other announcements alongside that. UK counter-cyclical capital buffers cut to zero. The bank says it is talking to insurers uh, about uh, a relaxation or flexibility Solvency 2 regulations, which required banks, uh, sorry, insurance companies to also keep higher levels of capital. They, as you know, have tremendous firepower that, if they were prepared to put into the marketplace, uh, would make a meaningful difference. The uh, Bank of England says it's coordinating closely with the UK Treasury and international counterparts. That is a very big lead into the budget announcement that we will get today here in the UK which likely means we will get some significant um, increase in fiscal response from the UK government here. Spending will be increased but we will wait and we will watch. That announcement will be later today. There's also going to be a relaxation on lending conditions for SMEs to directly target the most vulnerable businesses that could be impacted by a reduction in spending. The uh, reaction in the futures markets has been very positive from that already. The FTSE has turned around a negative to a positive 0.85% is what you see here on the call for the market open and interestingly the CAC futures have also spiked sharply here as you can see from our board. The DAX is just a laggard, but it has turned around uh, the, the weaker position that we saw earlier, which begs the question now, are there those traders in eurozone markets who are speculating that the ECB will announce a fresh round of easing measures when it makes its latest interest rate decision tomorrow? The central bank is facing pressure to act after the Fed made the surprise move to slash rates by 50 basis points last week. Analysts have suggested it could unveil a new liquidity facility, cut its deposit rate further into negative territory or increase bond purchases. Well, Anetta, who's with us from Frankfurt, you are our... ECB watcher here, you'll have been hearing the rumblings coming out of that big tower in Frankfurt. Is there any chance they're going to mirror the Bank of England here and not wait the 24 hours until tomorrow's meeting?
3: I don't think so. They are having a meeting right now, or at least today, um, to discuss also whether they will actually increase the, the uh, asset purchase program, the quantitative easing program we are having here in, in the Eurozone. That's exactly um, what I'm hearing from inside the ECB. I guess we want to get a package, remind you that um, the chief economist, uh, Philip Lane, is a fan of packages, and he will be the mastermind behind all these measures. Because clearly Christine. Laguerre She's very new into her job and she needs to troubleshoot most likely the worst crisis since the financial crisis now and without a lot of ammunition left. That is actually the big comparison or the big difference between the Bank of England and also the Fed that there is not a lot of leeway to cut actually rates um, because they're already negative. So um, I guess um, the ECB has to come up with some slight different package. They can't just cut 50 basis points because it doesn't make sense so expectations is 10 basis points tomorrow, another 10 basis points until June, that's at least priced in the market, but also an increase in their asset purchase program by at least 10 billion euro a month, a run rate to coming up then to 40 billion or 30 to 40 billion euro a month. And that is should be especially targeted at corporate loans, because the main concern obviously is that the corporates or that the financial or that the, the equity route will trigger also an increase in, um, in in credit spreads which is of course not positive for corporates in that environment. Another thing we are looking at for the ECB is more cheap, cheap loans to the banks because the banks clearly feel the brunt from that crisis already now looking at the equity at the share prices and there is of course major concern that we are going to see credit costs again spiking also for that uh, er, uh, area of, of uh, the economy and on top of that we might get some uh, more benign conditions for the tiering and possibly even a financing concept coming up for small and medium-sized enterprise mirroring that what we heard from the bank of england just now But I guess there will not be unanimity in the governing council for all these measures. So it's also a litmus test for Christine Lagarde whether she can push through all these measures through a governing council which is most likely not on one page with all these things.